Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Today's message is from a guest speaker. We pray this message speaks to you. Let's stand up tonight in honor of the reading of God's Word. We want to look a little bit into 1 Corinthians 12. Now, how many of you know that Jesus did not put the chapter and verse numbers in the Bible? Right? Sometimes we get kind of weirded out on that. We're like, well, chapter 12, and then chapter 13, chapter 14. Um, those, the New Testament verse and chapter numbers were put in by the Archbishop of Canterbury, Stephen Langdon, back before the Anglican Catholic split way back when, uh, 80, I want to say 1200, 1300, something like that. Um, but Archbishop Langdon, it was his assistant that he assigned to them, he assigned to his, his assistant to put addresses on all the scriptures in the New Testament. Now, why this is significant is because you can tell they didn't really understand the text or try very hard at some points. Like if you read Romans 7, what we call Romans 7, the address Romans 7, and then you go to bed, it's a real bummer of a night, isn't it? Romans 7 is a bummer chapter. But Romans 8 is the antidote to that chapter. And it's not like Paul said, stop here. You know, so sometimes we read things that way. The same thing happens in, in this large, the largest answer chunk that Paul has of these issues that were the, quest, the questions the Corinthian church had written to Paul. The largest chunk is what we call chapter 12, 13, and 14. And it's not like chapter 12, he's writing about gifts. And then he goes, oh, you know what? Before I get executed, I should probably write something they can read in weddings. So he writes the love chapter, you know. And then, okay, now back to spiritual gifts. It's, not, it's all one big chunk. What we call chapter 12 is his address to new people so that they understand. It's his entry level. Listen, you guys used to be pagans. Now, let me give you some understanding. It's not like when you were serving idols. Now, this is, there's order in the kingdom of God. Chapter 13 is, now I will show you the most excellent way, hados in the Greek, that's avenue. This is the roadway, the gifts flow. It flows through love. He says, you can speak in the tongues of men and angels, but if you don't have love, you're a a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. The Greek, there's useless noise which the most literal translation into English would be country music. And he says, basically, you know, it's just, it's just empty. It's worthless. Um, but, you know, so he's saying, listen, you can be gifted, but if, you, if you're not doing it in love, you're doing it for yourself, it's useless and futile. How many would say amen to that? And then chapter 14, Paul shifts gears, still on the same subject. And chapter 14, is he addressing new people? What do you think? No, he's addressing people that have already become fluent in the giftings of the Spirit, and he's calling them higher. He brings some correction, he brings some parameters, and he's helping them to grow. So in this larger chunk of Scripture, there's something for all of us, but the anchor point is that all of this is done for the glory of the Lord because we love each other, we love the Lord, we want to see his kingdom advance, the things of God grow, not, hey, look at me, but it's, hey, look at him, right? And so I want to read together with you just a few verses out of the entry-level part, the introductory part, where Paul is speaking to the noobs here, all right? So let's read this together. Hope If you can see it, read out loud with me, big and bold. You ready? Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 
For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you, God, for what you want to impart into our life tonight through your word. And I pray, God, that you would open up our minds like the Emmaus Road, and I pray, Lord, for a holy download from your word, your character, your understanding, your knowledge, so that we can be more fully prepared and ready to serve you, to wash the feet of others through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for it, Lord. And God, I pray tonight, even during the preaching time, you'd start manifesting gifts. We just welcome them. Thank you, Lord, for the beautiful gifts that flowed and the encouraging uh, public tongues with interpretation that flowed. But we just pray, God, for more gifts to flow tonight. We welcome them in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for a few moments when we come to prayer. I pray, God, that every person that responds to be baptized in the Holy Spirit will receive. Thank you for doing that so much already this weekend. We pray, God, and we pray for the sick, that every sick person would be healed. We thank you for your power flowing. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. You can be seated if you like and, and go back to sleep. So uh, can we go back to the uh, first scripture slide, please? And thanks so much. Thanks again to all your tech folks and all you people. I've just been amazing. This is a great church, amazing. I've only met just a couple of losers here. It's really been high ratio. Uh, we appreciate that. Um, so Paul starts his major transition is now concerning this, now about this, now about that. So he's now talking about highly spiritual issues. He's addressing new people now. Now, so the city of Corinth is on uh, the, the Grecian Isthmus, which is really hard to say if you're missing your front teeth. Sorry, West Virginians. But it's one of those things, it, 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 on the Greek Isthmus, right in the middle, and it's kind of in the north-central part of the Isthmus. So if you're going by boat at that time, um, you would have, if you're going from one side around to the other, you'd have to go all the way around. It's a long voyage, and it's kind of treacherous there all around uh, um, that area. But um, Corinth was in the center of the Isthmus. So if you think of like, like Florida being a peninsula like that, um, Corinth would be like Orlando, kind of in the middle. Later on, um, in like the second uh, century, about year 240 or something like that, they would actually build a canal that would cut across there with a bunch of locks to help boats get across. But in the middle of Corinth, um, there was a, a kind of a mountaintop called the Acra Corinth. And as most people of the ancient world would do in their animistic worship and polytheism, worshiping all these different gods, they would worship on a mountain because they felt closer to heaven, you know, whatever that was, and whoever they were worshiping. So they'd go to a higher altitude to worship. And so on the Acre Corinth was a bunch of different idol temples. It was very similar for us, like a shopping mall. So a shopping mall, you know, what's your nearest shopping center here, like a, a real mall? What's it called? Anger? Oh, Tanger. Oh, sorry. Boom. Yikes. Okay. And so, um, the, so like, uh, but not, not like an outside one. What's an enclosed one? Is that an enclosed one? South Hills. There you go. Okay. So South Hills. What are the department stores at South Hills? Macy's. Okay. So let's go with Macy's. So the anchor department store. Now, back when I was a kid, there was like JCPenney's and Sears, and I think all those are 
in trouble, or I mean, there was monkey wards. Remember monkey? I mean Montgomery wards. Remember those? Uh, there, but uh, we had all these. The the idea was there was an anchor store that had like general merchandise, and then in the old fashioned indoor shopping centers, then there was all these specialty stores. You had the general practitioners, and then you had the specialists. So if you wanted toys, you go to the toy store. If you wanted, you know, uh, you know dresses to cover your barn, you'd go to dress barn, you know, so you do different things like that. But you could go to JCPenney's, the general merchandise place or whatever, Sears, and you could get all, everything from tools to, you know, underwear to you know, refrigerators, whatever you need, you know. And so this is kind of the idea. The Acre Corinth would have several anchor temples on it, did the archaeology, still there. And some of the major, like Aphrodite would be one of the major temples that was there. But then there were some kind of like the major gods. Um, Greek and Roman gods are all the same. They just have different labels, you know, different names. And so you have Aphrodite, which is like a, um, uh, a fertility cult. Um, you would have basically, it would be similar to Diana, that kind of a thing. And so major deity there. And there that, you know, they would have, they had a restaurant in the, in the uh, temple, that's why Paul talked about food sacrifice to idols. So they would go and they would, people, the priest would tell them, you know, there's no like book of Aphrodite where thou shalt offer, the, you know, there's nothing like that. So how were you led if you, if you say you wanted a baby and so you'd go to the temple of Aphrodite because she specialized in fertility. You'd go there and that was kind of her main seat, one of her main branch offices. And so you'd go there and you'd ask the priest, what does it take for me to get a blessing from Aphrodite where I can have a baby, where my wife and I can have a baby? And they'd say, hmm, hang on a second. And the priest would lean around the corner and go, hey, honey, what do we need in the fridge? She goes, hey, we're out of pork loin in the restaurant. And go, okay, so Aphrodite would like you to bring five pork loins and I believe she says banana cream pie, if I hear correctly, you know, and a Maserati, right? So it was, the rules were always changing. It was whatever the priests needed. And then they would sacrifice that food. We think of sacrifice as burn it up into ashes, but that's not what sacrifice is. Uh, anywhere in the ancient world, uh, even in the Jewish sacrificial system, even the burnt offering was not fully burned. It was just uh, part of it was then the meat would go to feed the priests, right? But in these idol temples with these restaurants, um, the food sacrificed idols business, they would bless the meat, offer it to Aphrodite or whatever the deity was. Then they'd take the meat and then they'd serve it in a restaurant where people would come in and pay and eat. And Paul said later on, remember, if you remember that story and, or this is dialogue discourse on, on chapter five and six in first Corinthians, he says, listen, you know, it's cool. That's like, it doesn't matter if it's offered to Aphrodite, you you belong to the Lord and that's cool. But if you're with someone who's a weaker Christian, who's getting weirded out or a little superstitious about it, don't eat there because it will destroy their conscience. Right. I mean, no, we have to prefer each other. And people go, well, I'm mature. Well, yeah, but you're immature if you're hurting other people, you know? And so, so this is kind of the context. So it, now, now think about this. At the top on Acre Corinth, you have these major anchor stores, major anchor temples, and then you had all these little specialty ones. For example, if you were in agriculture, specifically in the growing of grapes or olives, you would go and you would worship. At, anybody know the Greek god for wine and olives? Bacchus, Right? You people really need to study your foreign deities better than that. I'm really disappointed. But you go to Bacchus's temple, and you'd say, hey, we need help. Our grapes are drying on the vine. And, and the temple of Bacchus, again, no book of Bacchus, but you'd fly by the seat of whatever the priest told you. You need it. Um, you're going, you're having problems with your neighbor building a fence. You'd go to Mars, the god of war, and you'd, you know, and you'd get some help there. So all these different deities. Now, 
there was what they kind of in today's language we would call the nuclear option. So let's say you went to Aphrodite's temple time and time again because you really wanted a child and for whatever reason the child wasn't coming. And so you would go time and time and time again and the priest would tell you, you need to do this, you need to do this. And finally, if you did it several times and there was no response, um, this was kind of like the last straw. You would, they would tell you to come into the temple of Aphrodite and curse her, blaspheme her, then you'd get her attention, but then you had to pay through the nose to get her favor because obviously all of your previous offerings and sacrifices hadn't gotten her attention yet. So you need, you'll get her attention if you offend her in her temple. That's like way up. But then you're going to have to really, I mean, better second mortgage your house, you know, to, to bring the offering for Aphrodite. Now, understanding some of these things in the context this is written in, Paul speaks to these brand new people that have just been saved out of paganism, out of worshiping on Acre Corinth, all these different gods, the gods of their culture, the gods of their ancestors. And he says, now concerning these lofty spiritual things, like when you come in and you see this power manifested in the church, some of you have thought it's some kind of you know, witchcraft or some kind of higher whatever. But listen, about these highly spiritual things, I don't want you to be unaware. You don't need to be ignorant. And he said, listen, you know, when you were just pagans, you were led astray to these mute idols. However you were led, whatever the priest said, it was just always a different, there was no standard, there was no way. And you were worshiping all these different gods. But I want to tell you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God would curse him to get his attention. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. I've heard over the years people go, oh, that must mean that that's how you find out if someone is demon-possessed. Say Jesus is Lord. No, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's not what that is. He's saying, listen, you would never confess Jesus is Lord. You never believe it to the point because it's gonna bring you to a point of persecution in this context. No one would ever say, you know, if you're, say you're living in a, a radicalized uh, uh, militant context that's anti-Christian today, you'd have to really be strong and devoted to the Lord to really take a stand for the Lord. So he's saying, listen, you're not going to pull the nuclear option with Jesus. It doesn't work that way. You don't add Jesus in your big pantheon of other gods. It's Jesus and, and the, uh, the Lord's work alone. And then he goes to the next one, if you would, please. He says, now, there are varieties of gifts. That's a grace gift, a charism, not because it's earned, not because it's deserved, but not not because of us, but in spite of us, right? There are varieties of gifts, but what? The same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects or outworkings, outcomes, but the same God. Why would that be important? Because they're used to going to all these different gods all the time. In their mindset, if you need healing, there's actually a Greek, Greco-Roman God of healing, and you would go there. If you need it, whatever, you go there. He's saying, listen, God is a one-stop shop. And you don't add Jesus. Now, today, we don't go and worship at all these different temples, but a lot of people view things differently. They, well, I prayed, and God didn't give me what I wanted, so I'm going to have... I'm reminded of the story, a little boy um, during the... It's a long time ago, during the Great Depression, and his parents were... were, Is it okay if I come down here? His parents were... um, Well, too late. His parents were really, really poor, and... um, and he was Christmas time, the beginning of December. He went to his parents and he said, Mom and Dad, I just want a brand new bike. And they sat him down and they said, Little Johnny, you know, it, I know you want a new bike, but, you know, we barely have money for food. We're living in a one-room apartment. We share a bathroom on the hall with other. I mean, we don't have anything. And we'll do our best, but really the only way you could get a bike is if God provided a miracle. 
why don't you start praying to God? So little Johnny's praying. He prays for a month. Christmas time happens. He wakes up on the little pallet of blankets. He's sleeping on the floor. They have a little, like a Charlie Brown Christmas tree there, you know, and, and there's just one little wrapped gift. He opens it up, and it's an apple. And he said, well, where's the bike? And they said, Johnny, we told you there's no bike. We did just, I'm so sorry, son. One day we'll buy you the best bike when it's possible. But now he goes, all right. So he turns around, he walks over, and he's going to crawls back in his bed. But before he does, he walks by their little cheap plasticky nativity set, Bakelite or something, and he grabs the, the little statue of the baby Jesus right out of the manger, and he sticks it in his pocket. He goes in, crawls under his blanket, and he grabs that baby Jesus in his hand in his pocket. He goes, all right, God. You want to play that way? If you ever want to see your son again, there better be a bicycle. But this is the same kind of thing. How many know you can't blackmail God? It doesn't work. You can't pull all that emotional manipulation stuff on him. And so a lot of people think, they go, well, you know, Lord, if you'll just heal me. I, when they make all these barters and all these deals with God, God doesn't make deals. And though we may not be worshiping different God in a different temple, it's the same kind of trying to manipulate God. Paul's trying to tell them it doesn't work that way. In fact, if you think you're really great, you're probably not. It's kind of where he goes with this. You know, uh, I think often of, remember the, uh, the, the story in the, in the Bible, it's in the, uh, I believe it's in the Minor Prophets, the story of, of Charlotte's Web. Remember that where uh, Wilbur the pig, um, he... He's getting ready. Zuckerman is sharpening his axe. How many remember the story from Sunday school? Zuckerman is sharpening his axe and, um, and about ready to turn Wilbur into a platter of bacon, and, um, which is funny because it's not kosher at that point in the Old Testament. But um, all of a sudden, Charlotte, who is a wise, wise spider, she's living you know, kind of over the pig pen, and she goes, oh, poor little Wilbur. I need to do something about this. She's really smart. And she spins a web that looks like the letting on stained glass. Anybody remember what, what the Bible says was over her pig pen? Or the words, some pig, right? So Zuckerman comes out, he's slinging his axe, and all of a sudden he's arrested as the sunlight glistens on this silken outline of the word some pig in the spider web. He's like, wow, it's a so- Why, you know what? I never noticed how majestically he wallers in the mud, you know? He doesn't quite have, his pig aroma is more fragrant than any of the others. You know, wow, I, I can't kill a pig like that, you know. And, and, and she saves his life. But the whole joke is on Zuckerman because Wilbur's just a dumb pig, but it was the spider, you know. Should have said, that's some spider. And yet for a lot of reasons, many of us that are like the Corinthians Paul is addressing here in chapter 12, people that are brand new, we bring our own set of misunderstanding and we go, Oh, well, George, well, he operates in a gift of healing. He must be some special person. God must have beamed him up to the mothership. He saw visions of Jesus and Elvis. God dubbed him as a knight, and now he's back down here, and he's, you know, um, he, he did his residency in, in divine healing, and now he's back, and, you know, powerful. He's got a prayer tower. He's got a silken hairpiece. I mean, wow, he must have a powerful man, a sequin jacket. Wow, you know, and people begin to venerate the person because of the gift. We're like Zuckerman the farmer. That's some pig. But it's not the power that's coming from us. Paul's always deflecting the glory back. Same spirit, same Lord, same God, same effect. 
It's just because it's a different thing. It's not coming from a different angel or a different person or a different whatever. It all, the glory always goes back to God. He's the one, he's the source. And yet, on the other hand, when people are being used in the power of God, it's very easy for them to begin to get a little uppity themselves. Say, you know what, out of, I don't know how many people were here this morning, 400 or more people here perhaps this morning, and probably when you count multiple personalities, there's over 2,000. And you say, when, when uh, you know, I, boy, out of all the people this morning, God picked me to prophesy. Hmm. Always suspicioned that I may be God's favorite. Hmm. Hmm. You know, I noticed Pastor didn't prophesy. Well, I bet there's probably some sin in his life. I bet I am the most spiritual one in this church. Do you see how we can believe the spider web ourselves? We can begin to think, but that's what Paul is deflecting. He's saying, listen, it's not us. It's in spite of us. It's God's glory shining through. And, and he goes on in chapter 13 to say, you can operate in gifts and not have the character of love. Did you know that? So a lot of evangelical churches today, of which Pentecostalism is a part of the larger evangelical movement, we would say, you know, like maybe a church that doesn't believe in the power and gifts of the Holy Spirit today, they go, well, those crazy Pentecostals and Charismatics, they have all the power and gifts, but they also have all the moral problems, all the issues and all the whatever, and it's just a train wreck and all the prosperity TV evangelists that are driving in Rolls Royces and wanting more million dollar jets and all this stuff. And, you know, and, they, and there's some reality to some of that criticism, isn't there? Right? But then we look and we go, oh, those non-Pentecostal, not they, I mean, yeah, they've got the character and the fruit, but man, their church services like are, are like a refrigerator showroom, you know, it's just, you know. And we, we, in our own minds, both sides out of arrogance cast dispersion on the other, and we're both wrong. It's not one or the other, but it's 1 Corinthians 14, 1, transitioning out of the love chapter, Follow the way, the hodas, walk on the avenue, or hodas, walk on the avenue of love and earnestly desire the Spirit's gifts. Do both. Walk in character, walk in integrity, walk in humility, and earnestly desire the Spirit's power. And then we avoid the ditches on either side of the road. Stay in balance, you know? Like, a lot of people don't know this about me, and I I run the risk of being... Uh, misunderstood, and I hope I don't come across as being arrogant because I, I don't, at least I don't perceive that maybe I am and I don't realize it. But for whatever reason, I'm an exceptional bowler. All right? I mean, I don't know any other way to say it. I just never get gutter balls. The ball always goes, I mean, it's crazy. I, I don't know what I do. I don't like try. Anybody else, you have some kind of innate strange gift, you know, whatever. It's just like my stupid human trick. I can just bowl really well. The ball, I mean, I, I've, I've never had a gutter ball when the bumpers are up. It's the craziest thing. It's just right down the middle, and it has knock pins down and, you know, others. But as long as those bumpers are up, I'm an exception. Now, when the bumpers are down, it's a little different story. I don't have the... But it's the same way. When we walk in humility, when we walk in compassion and surrender to the love of God, and earnestly desire God's empowering in our lives, all of a sudden, 
the safety net is huge. The margins are huge. We find God enabling and helping us. But whenever we begin to walk in arrogance, we begin to think, well, maybe we begin to draw our own conclusions. All of a sudden, we can still, on some level, cooperate with the power of God because God is generous. Paul even said some people preach the gospel for wrong reasons. But Paul, what does he say? Well, at least the gospel is being preached. He's a lot more mature than I. I would call, like, you know, Luigi the hitman, you know. But uh, um, it's... Paul has a much more mature view of that. And so it's one of those things where you and I have the choice to accurately represent the power of the Spirit and the character of Jesus, or else we have the choice just to be concerned about the power and become arrogant, self-absorbed people that think we're ours is the only right church and I'm the only, really, I'm the best one here and all these things. When really the John the Baptist message was what? I must decrease and he must increase. And so when, when we posture ourselves earnestly hungering for the things of the Spirit, it takes us out of our own cultural mindset. In, in America, it's, all, it's about self-absorption, right? Me. Our drug, our God, our Acre Corinth is materialism. Bigger and better, more, 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 more. Now think about this. It's the insatiable appetite of materialism. You know, you'd, well, you know, I like this car. You know, it's got air-conditioned seats and it's got an automatic wood chipper in the back that you can throw the neighbor's cat into. It's really, it's really good, but, because um, that kind of sounds like a turbo, you know, but um, it's, um, you know, but that new model, it's got three more horsepower and it's got blue LED trim instead of red inside. And I mean, I know I only have like 20% of this car paid off and I knew I'm going to go to the, the cleaners on it and I'm going to lose $12,000, but you got to have blue LED. I mean, come on. And we don't even think twice about the foolishness involved in that. Well, you know, we got to be bigger and better. You got to put on... I, I know people that they live in a beautiful big house that they can't afford the payment for and they can't afford furniture and they're living on a mattress on the floor in a $400,000 house and they don't let anyone in, even the pizza man, they come on the front porch and take the pizza and then when he goes away, they go inside because they don't want anyone to know that they're living above their means. What is that a symptom of? Problems. And a lot of people do that spiritually. They come to church and they go, well, they put on their, you know, their nice clothes and they wash the stink off and they brush their teeth and they come to church and they act like everything's okay, but really inside there's a vacancy or there's addiction or there's problems and the enemy's more at work than the Lord in their life. But they, the pretense of that arrogance keeps us from God's best. And then we wonder, where's the power? Why isn't it flowing? Because power and character are designed to flow together. Follow the way of love and earnestly desire these things. And so this is critical. The Apostle Paul, when he's teaching to them, then he goes and he shows there are three kind of major categories, and I'm putting words in his mouth because he actually breaks these up differently, but let's look at these real quick. Um, Three major categories of, of these manifestation gifts of the Spirit. Paul's telling us every church has all of these gifts, um, he's telling us that God wants to manifest his power. He wants to, but I want us to think about them rather than surgically as just the gift of suspicion, the gift, you know, whatever. Um, 
which is not a gift. But uh, we, rather than thinking about individual things, I want us to think about them in big blanket categories, all right? So go to the next one, if you would, real quick. Uh, actually, two more ahead. Let's go to the first. Oh, two more than that, maybe. One more than that. Awesome. Thanks a million. So first of all, you think of revelation gifts. So these are not revelation gifts like, you know, the four horsemen of the apocalypse and, you know, whatever. This is... Um, this is revelation, prophetia, making known, uh, revealing something that would otherwise be unknown. And so we think of the word of wisdom. In the Greek, it's word, bit, matter, chunk. Not all wisdom, just a chicken McNugget of wisdom, right? Not, not the whole chicken, not the, not the beak, but just, every, just the nugget, right? And so he gives you just what you need to know on a need-to-know basis. And Paul never defines a word of wisdom is this, but the way he uses that Greek word wisdom, Sophia, like we use it as a, as a beautiful you know, lady's name. Um, but Sophia, it's, a, it's a Lagos Sophia, a, a bit, matter, chunk, piece, a division, a, a, an installment, a little text message of wisdom. Not all wisdom, but the way Paul uses that word wisdom is generally in a practical way simply to know what to do, to know what to do in a circumstance, maybe not even knowing why, but to know what to do. And probably many of you have experienced that. We had a thing that happened back in September in one of the churches we were at in Iowa. And at the end of the service, a lady came to me. I'd seen her in the lobby earlier, but I didn't see her in the church. And she came to me. She goes, we had a miracle in the nursery tonight. And she, was, she had been working in the nursery. And I was thinking, well, maybe, maybe the Lord intervened with some kind of hazmat diaper circumstance or something like that. She's like, she goes, no. She said, we had, for whatever reason, she said, we had eight kids back there tonight. And she wasn't much. She said, I worked the nursery for years. It's my ministry. I really love these kids. But she said, for whatever reason, it was like bedlam back there tonight. She said, seven of the kids went from fighting over one toy to the next, to the next, to the next. She said, it was just, it was crazy. She said, we've never, in all my years, I've never had anything like that. Just all night long. It was just stress. And, and we're trying to, you know, put videos on and dope them up with crackers and whatever needed to be done. But it just didn't work. But there was one kid that he's a, he's a cute little kid. He's an only child. He plays by himself a lot. He's back in the corner. He's playing on one of those little plastic tool benches, whatever. And she said, I kept on looking over him, and he's just fine. But all these kids are just brawling. We're tearing kids apart and, you know, whatever. And if, you, if you've ever felt like you wanted to volunteer in the nursery, it's not normally like that, okay, just so you know, all right? Um, and if it is, that's, that's why you have the taser gun. But they, they um, she said, I, it was the strangest thing. She said, I'm over here with the other two nursery workers and we're trying to, you know, mitigate the stuff going on with the kids. And she said, I can't explain it, but I kept on feeling it was like someone was turning my head. My head just wanted to turn to that boy in the corner playing in the tool bench. And she said, I didn't know why or anything, but she said, finally, I told the other ladies, I, I'm, I'm so sorry. Just give me a minute. I just got to go check on him. They're like, he's fine. Help us. And she's like, please. She walked over and he's kind of leaned over the tool bench and his legs are kind of kicking. His arms are going. When she gets over there, she can see the side of his face is blue and he has one of those plastic screws stuck in his mouth and he's choking. She quickly picked him up and the thing popped out and he started to cry and she hugged him and she went and got his mom. And I mean, can you imagine how catastrophic that would have? Oh, I mean, I, goodness, I can't even imagine for that family, whatever. She didn't know why, but God showed her what to do. He gave her a nugget of wisdom. A lot of people think this is only for like public worship, but how many of you parents have kids? Astounding numbers of parents do this day. It really is a phenomenon when you explore it. But I mean, if you have kids, you need wisdom from God. You need help, and God wants to get, or we think of a word of knowledge. This is lagos Gnosis, information. So it's data or data if you're a Canadian. 
And so it's just information. So he, he gives you little nuggets, little promptings, you know, and, and he wants to help us. Most people think this is only for healing, whatever, but this is for anything. Actually, we only have one example in the entire Bible of a word of knowledge for healing in a crowd. Did you know that? That's what most people think of word of knowledge is, healing in a crowd. And that God does that. Acts 14, the lame man in Lystra with a crowd. Paul perceived that crowd, up on your feet, Jesus makes you well. Only example we have uh, written in the scriptures of that. But that's what most people, this is big. This is most often in the ministry of Jesus and the apostles, the word of knowledge happens most often in evangelistic settings to open up a supernatural door for ministry, you know? And so pretty incredible. And um, we think of, of discerning of spirits, that's diacrino pneumaton. So it's, it's, our, um, it's dia is through and crino is searching. It's not like I get really bad Vi- I get the willies about, sorry if her name is Willie, I get the willies about, you know, I mean, no, or even worse, one time I was preaching in Poland, and I used the, our American idiom, I'm, you know, I, you know, such and such happened, and I really had a bad feeling, I had a check in my spirit, I had like eight people come up afterwards going, what's wrong with the checks, we're from Czechoslovakia, I'm like, I'm so sorry, you know, you know, um, you offend everybody, whether you try to or not, you know. But um, all of a sudden, this, this, uh, this inner feeling, uh, it, it's discerning through. And later on in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21, Paul brings this up. He says, don't put out the Spirit's fire. Don't quench the Spirit. Don't despise prophetic utterances. That evidently was a problem in the, in the Thessalonica church, which was lower down on, the, on that same peninsula from, from Corinth. And he said, listen, hold fast to that which is good. In other words, if there's a, a good part in the prophecy... Take a hold of it. If there's a bad part in it, it's a human, right? There's some pig. How many know when the Holy Spirit's upon you, it doesn't mean that everything you do is right. Everything is mixtures. That's why the first part of a prophecy can be good, and the, usually the longer they go, the worse they get, because the person doesn't know how to jump off of a moving train, you know? And, uh, and that's okay. So what do you do? You sort through it. You know, that's why you can be prayed for by someone. They love God and they're praying for you and God is moving, but then they grab you by the ears and start shaking you out of zeal and whack you on the head and pour a gallon of oil on your head and kick you in the seat and, you know, all this. and it's almost like more like a mugging turns into than a spiritual receiving moment. And you go, wait a minute, I felt God. And then, you know, and then I leave with a greasy welt and a migraine. What happened? You know, you know, everybody gets something in church. So, it, you know, um, but it's not because they're bad or terrible, but it's mixtures. It's God's working, and then that person in their maturity level doesn't know how to check their zeal. And so there's a mixture there. Some of you have struggled with that. Well, how can God use so-and-so? Nothing's cut and dried. Before you're used uh, in the things of the Spirit, you may be like Paul's, who is he's dressing in chapter 12, verse 1 and following through 11, like we read, the new people that think that if you're using the Spirit, then you're really high up here. You must be the manifestation of one of the gods or something happening. It's not that. We have treasure in earthen vessels. Why? To show the surpassing greatness of the power that spills out of us is from God and not from us. So discerning of spirits is really discerning what spirit is motivating a person, an action, or an event. Is it the, the enemy? Is it just merely the human spirit, selfish will, the flesh? Or is it even better, the Holy Spirit? The highest form of discerning is of spirits is discerning the Holy Spirit at work. How many have sensed his presence already? You know? And so this is a toolbox, thinking God's thoughts in a broader scale. And then look at the next one. 
You have the demonstration gifts. These demonstrate, we kind of associate these with the hand. With the revelation gifts, we associate them with the mind, with understanding. With this, we associate these with the hand of the Lord. You'll lay hand on the sick and they'll recover. Jesus took the bread and loaves, blessed them, broke them, fed 5,000 hands on, you know, this kind of stuff. Um, we think of gifts of healing. This is physical recovery. Then we think of workings of miracles. And I've heard just some weird stuff on this. Again, lately, it comes up every... 20 or 30 years, it seems like, but I've heard people go, well, when you get healed and it's a process, it's a healing, but when it happens right away, it's a miracle. That's not the way the Bible uses those words. Physical recovery is healings. Iomai, it's physical, physical recovery. But workings of miracles is energema, activities, energy, and the word miracles is a word, even if the only Greek you know is yasul, hey, you know, even if, even if, even if you don't know any Greek at all, it doesn't matter, but you know probably this word if you've ever worshiped in a Pentecostal or charismatic church. Jesus says in Acts 1-8, you will receive power. Anybody remember the Greek word for power? Dunamis, right? That's the word miracles. Same word. And matter of fact, most often it's translated miracles. Energema dunamis, the activities of miraculous powers. It's like Jesus said, you're gonna receive miraculous power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you power beyond your ability. How many would testify that that's what God gives us with spirit baptism? So it's, it's any activity it's that, that is miraculous that's taking place. It's you know, physical healing is a different category. Gift of faith, special faith for someone. How many of you have unsaved loved ones? Conversely, how many of you are unloved saved ones? There's always some of those too. Yeah, okay. Um, God bless you. See that hand. But um, you know, if you, maybe what you're praying, you're like, let, let's just use an example. Let's say your great-grandma is the worst. She's terrible. She's the only senior citizen on Hell's Angels. Um, she, I mean, you know, you don't even want to go in her basement because she doesn't have all the bodies buried. I mean, it's bad. She, she makes up new cuss words every year. I mean, she, she's bad news. The devil is afraid of her, all right? She's giving you a format on her life. But you pray for her anyway, even though you don't think there's a chance in a blue moon she's ever going to get saved. She's just so bad. But uh, you pray anyway out of obligation. But one day, you're praying or something, and all of a sudden, it's like now all of a sudden, you're praying at the top of the ladder for her instead of the bottom. All of a sudden, you feel the Holy Spirit stand up inside of you to his tallest posture of power. And you, all of a sudden, when you're praying, you're like, oh my goodness, grandma's going to get saved. I just, and I, you know, you pray with a different, God has given you special faith for that, a special gift of faith. It's a specific faith. Or let's say this happens a lot of time. Honestly, it happens in giving. How many ever have God stretch you in giving? You get a missionary here and like, hey, we're going to the, you know, the people that survived the genesis of Alderaan and you have to help us. And, and you're, you look to your spouse and they look to you and you're like, well, let's do something big, you know? And, and so, you, you know, you, you feel like God gives you faith specifically for something that's otherwise impossible and you follow the Lord in that. And so we see these gifts of faith a lot of different ways, just a couple examples. And so these demonstrate the hand of God, doing the, the deeds of God. And then finally, look at the communication gifts, and we'll spend the least amount of time on this. This is speaking God's words. So revelation gifts, thinking God's thoughts in any one moment. Not hacking his hard drive, but only what he texts to you, only what he messages to you, just the smallest amount to get the job done. Never enough to satisfy your curiosity, though. People like to take a nugget of revelation and then they, hmm, I bet that means. And then they step into the realm of conjecture 
and then they lose it all. Hmm. You know, when I walked by Marge, I sensed something strange things were afoot at the Circle K, as the Bible says. And I, I just, you know, I'm just not sure. Boy, I, you know, oh, I don't know. Something's wrong. Well, instead of, then they, well, I bet, you know, I've, I know. And then they begin to draw conclusions and conjecture based on their, when you receive revelation from God, your job is not to process it and fill in the blanks and Sherlock Holmes it. That's a sure way to sidetrack it and get it all wrong. Your job is to take the raw essence of the vague data that God gives you, pray about it, and find out what he wants you to do based on that. Is that just merely a thing for you to pray about? Is it something for you to enact upon and you just follow his ways? Um, let's try it out. Lord, we just welcome right now a revelation gift to flow in the name of Jesus. We know you're always working, always moving. Maybe you couple it with a gift of healing or something. We just welcome your direction right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We, just, we know we can't make them happen, but we just welcome, oh Lord, for your moving to take place in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, I'm starting to feel the power of God in my feet right now. Um, who has some need with your feet? Just stand up. Some physical issue with your feet. Just stand up real quick. Wherever you're at, you got foot problems, plantar fasciitis, whatever. Okay. So if you're standing, if you're by someone that's standing, just reach up and put your hand on their shoulder. A lot of people think you have to have some glow-in-the-dark moment where God can use you in healing. There are different times that God will specifically anoint someone with a healing anointing, gift of healing. But James, the half-brother of Jesus, who knew Jesus better than any of the you know, early church leaders, James says in James 5, to everyone in the church, pray one for another that you may be healed. Just like there's a specific gift of prophecy on that chart, the bottom one up there, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, all of you can prophesy. So there are moments that there are a special dispensation of God's power that comes upon you and you operate in a unique level, but that doesn't mean that God can't use you otherwise. You don't have to feel anything to pray, right? Let's, come on, lift your voice. If you're not near anyone, let's just pray right now. Father, we just thank you so much for your healing power flowing from heaven, and we welcome your power right now flowing in our friends. May they begin to sense your power and your healing, restoring power, moving in their feet. We intercede. We touch this one thing on earth, and we thank you, God, for you ministering from heaven. Thank you, God, for it. We pray, oh God, for those that are struggling with issues with tendons and muscles and ligaments in their feet or structure of their feet, Lord, that you will come and totally renovate. May they feel your power now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you, God, for making things right. Thank you for touching issues with neuropathy in the name of the Lord. And I'm feeling the power of God in my left foot, and I'm sensing the Holy Spirit saying there's a wound on the left foot. And we command that tissue to be made whole, and that, that wound that will not heal to be made right in the name of the Lord. We thank you for your power flowing. Thank you, God. Touch your people tonight, we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, just and we'll, we'll pray some more in a moment, but I, I just want to interact with you a little bit on this because people get all weird about this stuff and they think if someone's used in one of these ways, they, they have to be some special person. Jesus is the special one. He's the one. And all of these things don't point to us being better. They point to Jesus. They don't point to the idol temple priest or priestess. They point to Jesus. It's all his work. It's for his glory. So we want to be the best representer of Jesus as we can. That's where the character pursuit comes in. Because though we speak in the tongues of men and angels, if we don't have love, 
it's empty and useless, right? Though I can fathom all mystery, though I can prophesy until my lips fall off, if I may paraphrase, you know. Um, if I don't have love, it's empty, it's meaningless. And then he goes on, he says, love is patient, it's kind, it's not envious, it's not proud. Do you see all that fits in to being used in the power of God? And so the idea of this is that we are, you know, like, like the pride, the human ego says, give me a pedicure, right? Serve me. But the servant heart of Jesus says, let me wash your feet. And it's just the totally the end of the spectrum. And so many times the models that we see of people being used in the power of God, and I'm not criticizing any one person, probably criticizing myself, but the, power, the model of people being used in the gifts and the power of God we see are often arrogant and puffed up. You know, there's certain people that, we you know, when they minister, they require a certain scent of candle to be burned in the back room. They have to be brought by a limousine and all this kind of stupid stuff. It's like, you know, that's just so pukey. How many know without Jesus? Hey, that's in the Bible. You read Revelation, right? Okay. Um, actually, Jesus used the word puke, didn't he? What's going to happen? Puke you out of his mouth, right? You think it was bad to be Jonah. What about the church of Laodicea? Bad news. But, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where everything has to deflect back to Jesus. And I've found that when we, to the very best of our ability, nobody is good at humility, Right? But the more we walk with the Lord and surrender and humble ourselves, when in those moments we ask God for his giftings and his power, they flow much easier. They flow much more naturally. And God receives glory. And I've seen through the most humble, most meek, novice, powerful demonstrations of the Spirit come more than the bloated person that thinks they know everything and, you know, holier than thou and an entourage of, of people around them, worshiping them and all these things. God's not looking for you to get your own TV show and build your own prayer tower. He's looking for you to humble yourself and serve your family and serve your neighbors. Now that posture of love, that puts the bumpers up in the bowling alley. And all of a sudden now, even though you pray for the wrong thing and you make a mistake and you, you, know, you don't know what to do and you can't think of all the right scriptures, God works anyway around our limitations and his glory comes and his power comes. You may be surprised to know that over, over the years and not the categorize this, and this will be the end if we can get the uh, musicians back, except for the bagpipe guy. You were terrible. Um, the, over the years, um, I, and please hear this whole statement so you don't misunderstand. Over the years, we've witnessed unbelievable healing miracles from the Lord. Born blind, born deaf, lame, paralytic stroke, cerebral palsy, um, uh, mute, uh, um, uh, cancer tumors falling off, melanomas falling off. Um, I mean, all kinds of creative miracles, uh, amputated fingers at the joint growing back. I mean, crazy stuff. Um, just recently in Africa, one of the gentlemen, a pastor from Nairobi, praying for him, and he vomited out a two-liter bottle-sized piece of cancer out of his mouth over a period of 90 seconds. Disgusting. Totally free, set free. Um, amazing stuff. I mean, just what, crazy stuff. Um, in all of those things, I have never contributed anything to those miracles except for being there trying to serve the Lord in those moments. That's it. There's not like, well, it's better because I have a special gift. I'm really resistant, actually, when people go, well, I have the gift of prophecy. That's just everything within me. I, I don't necessarily think that's theologically wrong, but I think it's character-wise it's wrong to say. 
because it says, I have something. We have nothing that has not been given to us from the Lord. His is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And I'm just part of the nameless, faceless mob that serves Jesus. You know, I don't want to be, I want him to be remembered. I want him to be remarkable and him to be famous in these things. And so in all of those things, it's not like, well, listen, like there's a, I'll let you know, Eric, there's a little trick. Let's say somebody, oh, this will be your gimme putt miracle, all right? We're almost done. Um, if, if, let's say that uh, you're praying for someone who's blind. How many of you know that if you have an issue on the left side of your body, it's probably affected neurologically by the right side of your brain, you know how that works. So let's say they're blind in their left eye, right? So over here. So if a lot of times a little nerve gets unplugged out of one of the sockets in the brain, so if when you go to pray for them, if you hit them with a little English on the side of the head, a little back like it pops that nerve back in, their eye pops, it's as slicker than a whistle. Don't do that, that's not true, all right? But isn't there something inside of you for a moment that says, oh, oh there's a trade secret there. Ah, oh, three to the left, four to the right. Secret decoder ring in the Cheerios box, you know? Hmm. Because there's some, like, wouldn't it be cool if we could just operate in God's power without him? If we could just find some kind of incantational way, oh, you have the stomach flu, oh, okay, well, let's just put in a little bit of olive oil and maybe her significant other, Popeye. And um, that's a little eye of newt and toe of bat. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And yet, we want to climb the mountain of the Lord with our own equipment. It doesn't work that way. We need him. Paul said his strength is perfected in our weakness. So there, if you ever get to the spot where you think you know in the supernatural what you're doing, that should be blown head gasket light coming on in your spiritual dashboard. I mean, that's like catastrophic failure because we need him and it's not because we know what we're, you, whenever you step out to be used of the Lord, you follow his prompting, you're always gonna have, you know, uh, um, butterflies in your stomach, you know, or whatever. Or if you're a vegetarian uh, swaying wheatgrass. I don't know what vegetarians get in their stomach. But, but you know, you're, you're always going to have a little bit of natural fear. I can't do this unless the Lord comes down. But that's exactly the right way, isn't it? And think about it. The, the people in this room tonight, you're here on Sunday night. You love Jesus. You should be out barbecuing and, you know, whatever you do on Sunday nights when there's no football. And, and uh, you... And yet you've come to God's house and you're hungry to learn more about the Holy Spirit, hungry to grow. What, would, what could God do, not only here at, at Houston Central, but at the other churches that are represented here, if you and I would change our mindset to say, I want to move in the things of the Spirit for me, to, Lord, I want to become your Swiss army knife, whatever you want to do, anywhere I'm at, 24-7, work, school, church, mall, whatever it's at, Lord, whatever you, I am here. Here am I, send me, use me. I'm here to wash feet. I don't care if anybody ever knows my name. I just want to represent you. And, and all of a sudden, the bumpers start coming up on our bowling alley lanes because we're loving God with all of our heart, loving our neighbor as ourself. We're concerned about the character. And then all of a sudden, when those moments come, we follow those gentle nudges of the Holy Spirit and we begin to see fluent gifts bubble up in our lives. 
Many of you have not yet discovered the strongest spiritual gift that God has for you. So why don't we take a few moments tonight and pray and welcome his power. I think the, the first posture would be to pray and humble ourselves before the Lord. What's the Bible say when we humble ourselves before the Lord? What happens? He lifts us up. It's one thing we lift ourselves up. That's a problem. But when we humble ourselves before the Lord, he lifts us up. So I want us to stand wherever we're at. And um, take a moment with me. Stretch. What, I, I am so lost because I didn't drive here. Um, which way is this? Which direction is that? That way. Very good. Yeah. Where's north? Where are my directional people? Not straight up. That way. Okay. So that's north. Everyone face to the northeast. Face that way. Okay. Turn that way. See that back in front of you? Get out your claws and just give it a real quick scratch down, a gentle scratch. Get the blood pumping. Now, if you're a creeper, don't touch anybody. But if you're all right, just give them a quick scratch. Get your blood pumping. Okay? Turn to the southwest and repay the favor real fast. Get your blood pumping. You've been sitting for a while. All right? All right? We've been sitting. You got kind of sedentary, and lunch kind of goes down to your feet, and you got to kind of shake it up a little bit. All over this house, would you just join me right where you're standing? Can we just lift our hands to the Lord and surrender? And would you offer your hands to God? Some of those gifts are the demonstration gifts to do the deeds of God. Would you just give God dibs on your hands? Come on, just tell it to him out loud. Lord, I just want you to use my hands for your glory. I don't know how you do these things. I never will. But I just want you to know, Lord, if, if my hands ever, you want to use them to represent yours, they're all yours, Lord. Everything I have belongs to you. Use me, Lord. I welcome gifts of healing. I welcome workings of miracles. I welcome a gift of faith. Use my hands, Lord. May they, may they be symbols, branch offices here, wherever I'm at of yours. Can we offer our understanding, our mind? Maybe you want to put your own hand on your own head. I know you won't mess up your own hair. Put your hand on your own head and just, would you just offer the Lord right now your mind? Lord, I want to think your thoughts. In fact, I'd rather think your thoughts than mine. I know I can't make it happen, but I send you an invitation. As Paul said, I earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Lord, I really want to be used by you. I want to see your power and your effectiveness moving through my life to touch other people's lives. And I don't care if I ever get any credit at all, as long as you're glorified, Lord. And I pray, God, you'd enable us with words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. Thank you, Lord. Maybe you want to put your hand on your own mouth or jaw around there, just a symbolism, just so childlike. Maybe tilt your face heavenward. And would you just offer to God your mouth, that same mouth that has gotten all of us in trouble so many times, that James, Christ's half-brother, said nobody could ever tame. Can we offer that to the Lord as a sacrifice? Let's put our mouths in the offering plate right now. Come on, Lord. I'd much rather speak your words than mine. And I just want you to know, Lord, if you'll move upon me and, and you'll stretch me, Lord Jesus, and prompt me that I'll, I'll be used in tongues, interpretation, prophecy. But Lord, even more general than that, I want my mouth to be a life-giving source that speaks the best, Lord. I pray, oh God, you'd cause bitter, sour, destructive, critical words to, to be sour in my mouth, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that gossip would would feel like uh, like some kind of toxic substance on my tongue. You just need to build up. I don't want to be a pe- person that destroys. I want to be a builder and encourager, Lord. 
And I pray, Lord, that you'd use me. Let me speak your words. I welcome your gifts. Now would you just join me? Can we just humble ourselves before the Lord right now? Come on, search your own heart. Every time in my life I've ever looked for pride, I've always found some. It just creeps in. It's like, it's like English ivy. You trim it back and it just keeps on growing. And Lord, I just search my heart, Lord Jesus. I don't want to be like me. I want to be like you. And I humble myself before you, Lord. Humble myself before you, Lord. I need you. Oh, Jesus, work your character in me. I'm going to be concerned about loving you with everything and loving my neighbor to the point that if there was only maybe one more miracle, I would honestly, out of my heart, say, Lord, please give it to my neighbor than rather to me. Oh, Jesus, I humble myself before you. Lord, in any way, if there's been any sort of idolatry or metaphorical idolatry in my life anything I've put before you any affection any pursuit any materialism anything like that Lord that I've been pursuing more than your kingdom I don't want that Lord repent of those ways turn my heart towards home I want to follow Love Avenue I want to walk down that I don't want the expressions of the things of God in my life to flow from a heart purity rather than out of some feigned ulterior motive. Use me for your glory, Lord. I just want to wash feet. Use me, Lord, to serve. I'm here. Whatever you want me to do, Lord, anything. Nothing's too high. Nothing's too low for me. I'll do anything you want me to do, Lord. Anything you want me to do. God, if there's any kind of bigotry or prejudice in the hearts, I pray right now, God, you would dismantle that proud spirit and tear it down right now. And I pray, Lord, you would use the people that maybe have struggled in that way to actually turn it so around now that it's a hunger to minister to the people that they once looked with derision in their eyes and heart. God, turn us upside down for you, I pray. Turn us upside down. Thank you, Lord. Spirit of the Lord, Breathe on us, breathe on us. Father, breathe the breath of your Holy Spirit now upon us. Breathe the breath of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. As his presence is just falling like rain across this room, some of you are already drenched, others you are in the process of getting soaked as good he's here. Just be patient. But tonight, if you say, you know what, I, I really, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That hasn't fully happened for me yet, and I really want to experience that. You want to experience the confirming sign of the new language. It doesn't mean you've not been receiving. It just means God has more for you. But if that doesn't happen, I want you to real quick come without any begging or pleading to come and stand across just the very front edge of the stage. Come real quick, real fast, and some prayer partners will help. Come on, come on. Um, other than that, I want to turn this whole house 
into a place of healing prayer. Is that all right? Okay. So um, in just a moment, maybe uh, some folks will respond for spirit baptism. But I want to ask you, pay attention to these rules tonight, all right? Because this will help us get done quick in a, in a timely manner. But I want everyone, there's three fingers up here, all right? I want you in just a moment to get into groups of three, ideally. If you have to mathematically have a couple groups of four, that's all right. If you get in a group of two or five or six, I'm praying that your car doesn't start when you leave, all right? Because you'll help us if we get in a group of three or four. When you get in a group, listen, get in a circle. Don't hold hands with anyone. Keep your hands to yourself like the old hymn says. You get in a circle of three, and you're just to elect someone to receive prayer first. You go, Gertrude, you're first. How can we pray for you? And when, when it's your turn to say what your physical needs are, what your needs are, don't give any backstory. Just name it with the simplest label. I've got a heart problem. My gizzard has rocks. You know, I hate my mother-in-law. Whatever your issues are. And just, just a couple. And you probably won't think of everything. You know, maybe your thing is just fairly simple. Maybe you just have a chipped tooth or seasonal allergies. That's cool. Don't feel bad. Wouldn't it be better to not have those, you know? And, uh, and so once you mention your needs to the group, the other two people in the group will then unholster their symbolic healing apparatus. And they will lay hands upon Gertrude's shoulder at the same time. And they will both begin to pray out loud over Gertrude. Not the bold person praying loudly and the quiet person going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But your job is to slather Gertrude with love and prayer and concern from the Lord. Pray for her like she's the last person on earth. Pray for her like she's God's favorite. And when you pray, if you sense any promptings to pray about something else, follow the breadcrumbs and pray about it. You don't have to go, thus say it, the Lord, God says that you're... You know, flux capacitors clogged. Right? You know, just you can ask the question. You can say, "Well, Lord, if she's having problems with her flux capacitor, help." That's fine. You don't make everything an all-or-nothing moment, but just follow the breadcrumbs out of humility. Many of you will find revelation gifts starting to flow as you really love and care for person people. Your job is to sense the love of God for that person as you pray. Don't be as concerned about the words you're saying as you are walking down Love Avenue when you minister. All right. And then like 30 seconds to a minute, you'll be done praying for Gertrude and you go, okay, George, let's pray for you. How can I pray for you? And you go, oh, you got wooden teeth and a powdered wig. Okay, let's pray for you. And so you pray for George. You know, and, and you just want to love and care for And we'll just work away that group of three. It will take like six minutes, all right? Is that a deal? And, and uh, we may pray about other things and, and you can kind of sneak out as you want, but we'll, we'll pray about some other stuff. But if you want to be baptized in the Spirit, sneak up here real fast. Come on, come on, come on. You know, there's many of you. I've talked to you. Come on, come on. And otherwise, would you begin to get in groups of three, four if we have to? Just maybe you want to move an aisle, maybe you want to sit down. No big deal. No spectators, all right? Everyone participating. You've just prayed and welcomed gifts from God, right? So there's going to be a different level of power that's expressed. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.